Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. All right, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. And today, my friends, it's you and I. It's uh, the solo show, and you made this last time one of the top episodes of the entire year. So thank you very much for doing that, and I appreciate you listening, whether you're in your car, jogging, going for a workout. I appreciate you taking the time to spend a half hour to 45 minutes with me. But today we're doing it solo because we got Thanksgiving this week and we're recording this uh, the Tuesday before. So we're on the 14th and tonight is actually a big night. It's the Hospitality Mentors second networking event and I'm excited to be hosting it uh, tonight. So I'm doing it about three hours. So I'm hoping you all have shown up and we're celebrating all together uh, in a couple of hours. But we're doing it at the FIU Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management. And I wasn't sure I was going to do it there because the first one, you know, when we were making these events, I was like, all right, we're going to make these at some cool local bars that people haven't been to. And that's where we did the first one at a tropical distillery here in Alapata, which is just south of Wynwood. And you all showed up. You showed out. 250 of you came out to the first one, which was amazing. I love seeing the support. And I thought that was like the, the right plan. Uh, but the team from FIU, the actual Bacardi Center of Excellence team, Mitchell and Brian over there reached out. They're like, just come take a look at this place. We think it's going to be awesome for you. We've got a great setup and we really want to show off what our local hospitality school is doing for not just the community, but for the country. They're really cutting edge there. And I hadn't been in many years and I showed up and I was just blown away. They've got a beautiful restaurant and bar area and then the beautiful kitchen that the students all get to practice in and so that's where it's going to be tonight and i think for anybody looking to do an event just start doing it find people that you can do with the community the first one i really thought i was going to have 10 to 15 people show up and so i was like aiming low but hoping for the best and everyone showed up Uh, and so for tonight i'm hoping uh, we have a great turnout we've got about 150 people that have bought tickets with another 50 or so we're expecting at walk in So it should be another great turnout tonight. But I want to just encourage you, if you're thinking about hosting an event or getting people together, do it because 
there's nothing better than building a great community. And it's not that hard to, to really put this together because if you're bringing a good amount of people or just a good crowd, you can find your local restaurant or local bar or local event space that was probably willing to host you for free if you're bringing in people that could become customers in the future. The other part that I've loved having is entertainment resource. Uh, Ron Green and his team have supplied DJs and live musicians and live painting artists and magicians uh, to give that entertainment portion to it. And then the food is going to be coming from Temple Street Eatery in conjunction with the students at FIU. So we get to show off what they're doing. And the last part is I love getting things like technology involved in these events or some kind of things that you're learning about because then you have three things you've got a great location you've got great entertainment you've got well we'll say four things great food and beverage and then you're learning something while you're interacting with all the other guests there so i think it's become the secret sauce to what we're doing if you can hit those four things in an event you'll have a home run so thank you for supporting i'm excited to see you come out there it's going to be a lot of fun the other things that you know, I'm curious if you're working on, and I've been really getting into these GPTs by uh, ChatGPT, and I'm curious to think what you think about it, because we just created one at the hospitalitymentor.com. You can check out the Hospitality Mentor GPT, and it's loaded with all of the information we have from our website, all of the transcripts from all of the people who have been on the show. So when you go to talk to this GPT, you're getting all that information, plus all the things I've learned over the last 22 years uh, with standards and projects, and I keep, I'm still loading things in there. So it just gets smarter and smarter. Plus it's backed by what ChatGPT is already doing. So in essence, we have an app that you can go to, and I wish I had this tool when I was working in the hotels, and I love using it now every day, is someone you can talk to about anything, whether it's career advancement, uh, if you wanted to redo menus and get best practices, if you wanted just to ask a general question about operations or what some of the lingo is, because we have so much of it in hospitality that people don't know about, like REVPAR and ADR and an operating percentage and occupancy percentage and COGS. And we can go on and on about the language of hotels, but now you don't have to look and feel like, oh, I don't know what that is. You can actually ask the hospitality mentor GPT and it will tell you those things. So check it out. I would love for you to go on there and enough of me kind of ranting and raving here, but I'm excited about those things for our event, the GPT we have coming out, port is out that you can play with, but I promise I take your questions and you all delivered. You guys came through with some awesome questions. So let me pull them up here and we can get right into it. So the first is from Emily and she sent these all came through our website and I appreciate you all listen to the live show that we did. And so we got these coming in through there. But from Emily in New York City, how is the expansion of high-end restaurants like Stubborn Sea to new locations such as Vegas influencing the culinary landscape? Well, you listened to the last podcast, so I love that you listened to that one with Ignacio from Grow Bay Hospitality. Stubborn Seed is one of his restaurants, and it's a Michelin award-winning restaurant. And I love seeing that other cities are importing Miami restaurants. And now Vegas is going to have a bunch of them. So this restaurant is going into the Resorts World Hotel, and it's going to, I think, be fantastic because they just got their Michelin star here. Chef Jeremy Ford is, you know, a true top chef. He won top chef the show. 
and has been doing great things here in Miami. So I'm excited to see that flavor and that vibe going to Vegas. I think people in Las Vegas will really enjoy seeing that and enjoying that kind of experience. And then another local guy, David Grutman, is also doing the same thing. So his restaurants, uh, Komodo, Poppy Steak, I think Gecko, are going to be opening at the Fontainebleau Las Vegas, which is set to open in a couple of weeks here in December. That's like, I think, 16 years in the making that hotel. So I'm excited to see that opening. But I love seeing that these Miami restaurants are being taken to other cities because there's so many times, you know, Emily, you're from New York. In Miami, we're getting all the New York restaurants, it seems like, coming down here, whether it's Carbone or Rayo's or any of your iconic brands that are coming down here. I love seeing that now Miami brands are starting to head out and really grow. But I think you see that from all different kind of places. So I love getting to see different cities exporting their restaurants so we can get a little bit of flavor of what they're doing there. So I appreciate that question very much. And hopefully that, that answered your question. Now we got Michael in Miami, Florida. Hey, Mike, what's up, buddy? So with the opening of Rayo's, which we just talked about, in Jaime Beach, what are your thoughts on the translation of historic culinary legacies into modern settings without losing their original essence? Wow, that's a great question. Well, I did eat at Rayo's, and I wrote an article about it. You can see it on the website. And... I think they have a home run on their hands. You know, I've never dined at the Rayos in Harlem and it's, you know, notoriously hard to get into and celebrities are always trying to get in there. We know we have their sauce that we always buy here and use at home, uh, but I got to really experience it and I felt like I was transported somewhere else. And so I used to work at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel for many years and spent many times in that room when it was different restaurants. Uh, it used to be the Gaucho Room, then it was Emeralds, um, then it was Lure, and now we have Rayo's, and I think this might be the best one just because it's a classic setting. They know what they're doing. They've been in business for over 100 years, and the servers are excellent. I really enjoyed it, but I think that it's hard to execute on because people always associate them, you know, that experience they had with the original location, and it's always really hard to duplicate that, right? It's just like a movie. Sometimes that first movie is just way better than the sequels. Some sequels live up to the expectations and do better than the first. So it's a, it's hard to do, especially when you want to try and get that culture out. You know, I think a restaurant group that does it really well is Nobu because they bring people uh, from their restaurants. And you have to start in their restaurants and they bring them to other places. So they really have a great culture to where the general managers have been in the restaurants for many, many years. And the servers have been there many years and they move those people around to train, to build that culture. So that's really part of it is having those key people that can can bring that. And I know they did that with Rayo's, like you mentioned in Miami Beach, they brought the team from New York to really help and, and train up the, the team to give it that feeling. So great question, Michael, I appreciate it. All right, next is Julia. Julia, where are you writing in from? From San Francisco. What impact do you see luxury hotel brands moving into the yacht industry having on the future of luxury travel and hospitality? We were talking about this on the other podcast I do. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I have another podcast that we do live every Wednesday on LinkedIn and it's called Good Morning Hospitality. And we talked about this, but I love this, right? We actually had a couple of people from Four Seasons Yachts on the show, uh, Thatcher Brown and Donald Mason. You can go back and hear their episodes. They're the COO and CFO. And I love this space because 
it just shows you that people truly are fans of brands and they trust those brands and they want to experience it in different ways. Right. So the yachts is just another extension of it. So you have Ritz Carlton in the yacht game now and they're operating. Amon Hotels is there. Belmont Hotels is doing it. Four Seasons is going to be entering very soon and they've got some amazing plans. But I love seeing this because it's just another opportunity for people to experience top hospitality. I think it's also a different way for people to experience a brand because maybe they haven't stayed at the hotels and they would prefer to go on one of the yachts. And I think you just see this everywhere now, right? We start to see it with people living in residences that are branded by hotels. They want to live that lifestyle. You see restaurants that are getting into hotels. You see restaurants getting into residence brands like Cipriani is doing their Mr. C uh, brand. So it's everywhere. And I think it will continue on. And I think we'll continue to see more brands get involved in this space, whether it's in big cruises. But I think these yachts is like a nice way to do it because they can control really the whole experience, go to unique places that the big cruise ships can't get to. So you will continue to see this uh, evolve. And I had said there's a couple of brands I wanted to see uh, get into this. Uh, one of them was the Mandarin Oriental Group. I used to work for Mandarin Oriental, and I think they would be a fantastic yacht to be on, like a wellness kind of spa experience plus great food, and that Asian hospitality would be phenomenal. And then another brand, which I'm a big fan of, uh, we had the GM on from Faina Hotel. It's just artistic and you know, they do a great job of creating a setting where you feel like you're transported to a different world. So if you're listening out there, Faina and Mandarin Oriental, I would love to help you create that vibe and that energy. I think you would do fantastic in yachts. Uh, so Julia, I hope that answered your question there, but I think it's going to continue on and it will just become more and more. John, John, good to see you, man. In Chicago, I got to come visit you soon. Uh, given the increasing importance of sustainability and hospitality, how can hotels and restaurants innovate sustainable practices while maintaining luxury and quality? Well, I think you're seeing it more and more now. Brands are really locking in and focusing on this. They want to make an impact. They know how much of an impact they have on the local communities. I mean, you can go to any hotel loading dock, especially resorts, and you'd be shocked at how much waste there is. And there's some brands that do a great job at fixing that up and maintaining it and making sure they recycle and they're being a good partner to their communities. And then there's others that don't and everything goes into a landfill and they're not helping support the community. So there's a lot of great brands out there who are putting it out there. I think that one of my favorites is Six Senses. We had David Araya when he was working for Six Senses, he's no longer there, but when he was working for them, he gave us kind of the inside look at what they were doing and every vendor, that they worked with. So think of everything a hotel buys had to be sustainable and had to have some kind of plan or they weren't allowed into the hotel as part of the program. And so that's one extreme. And I love seeing what they're doing. They show that it's possible, but it can start with plastic bottles. Like I just, you know, plastic bottles, I've seen so much of them not get recycled, go straight into the garbage. They end up on the streets. I live in Miami and I see them floating around Biscayne Bay. I would love to see people switch to a more sustainable package. You know, I'm on the advisory board of a company called Kopu Water, and they put aluminum bottles, but they also have a program in place to come pick up not just their own aluminum bottles, but all the cans and other aluminum sodas that are in there, and they recycle them and reuse them. 
So a truly full circle program. I just think more and more companies need to look at it. Like if I was still food and beverage director, that would be my big thing is how do I get rid of plastic bottles? That's like the first thing you can start with. You know, I know we don't like the paper straws, but there's other things. There's these avocado straws that work good, but that's a small little thing. Think of just how many bottles people are drinking in the rooms from the coffee shops in the restaurants. So I'm harping on that one, but there's a lot of things that you can do to really focus on sustainability and it can be energy. It could be the water flowing out of the nozzles, which you don't go too far and make it low pressure where you can barely take a shower, but there's a hundred ways you can do it. There's these checklists you can download online and, and see it. And I'll, I'll even put that in the comments and uh, in, in the link below. So John, good talking to you, my friend. All right, Linda in Las Vegas. We were just talking about Las Vegas. I got to get over there soon. I haven't been in a while. Uh, I lost too much money last time I was there. <laughs> I was in my 20s, so I'm still thinking about that. Uh, but Linda's asking, how do you think the integration of technology like AI and hologram employees is going to reshape the guest experience in hotels and resorts? Well, I was just talking about AI with uh, our GPT that we built. And I'm a big fan of technology used the right way. I don't just want it to, I'll give you an example. I was on the Royal Caribbean Oasis class ships and they have a Maker Shaker robot. And I've talked to the team at Maker Shaker because I really wanted to use them once when I was at, at Lowe's. And I thought I was gonna love the experience of not having to work with a bartender, just walk up to the machine, put in my drink and order and a robot shake it up and give it to me. But I really didn't. It, it kind of uh, was very cold, was how I put it. But how I would have fixed it is having maybe a bartender take my order, chat me up, you know, kind of walk me through what might be best, and then have the robot make it. He or she could finish off the drink. So I see it as a tool. I don't want it to fully replace things, but I would like it like at a front desk. Do I need to stand in line to check in at a front desk agent? No, I think the hologram could work. And I could have a real life person there to assist me if I'm in need of help. The other thing I would love to see happen is, you know, when I'm texting, I don't want to have to wait on on a phone waiting for a room service to pick up my order. I think I could do that via text and have, you know, an AI tool walk me through what I'm looking for, you know, ask me what mood I'm in and give me some suggestions because I've played with that with a couple of AI tools now and it works great. And I think that could be something that would work well. I know it's a Forbes standard that you got to pick up the phone and have someone talk to, but for a lot of hotels, that's a big pain point is room service where you can't find order takers to do overnight shifts and different shifts. So I think that would be a cool way to use AI, but in the day to day for an employee, forget the guest experience, you know, an example is like scheduling. Scheduling can be very hard. And so you can use AI now to plug in everyone's requests and put in your covers or your occupancy hey, create me a schedule based on all of these needs for people to request in days off and my occupancy and spit me out a schedule that will work great. And it works. I think there's ways also to go through guest reviews. I just did this for a company where we were practicing is take all the guest reviews for the year, plug them in, have a prompt that asks AI to go through all the guest reviews, give you all the themes that you see out there, then create an action plan based off those themes and then make that action plan daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly and assign it to all the departments out there. So that works too. And if you want more information on it, I'm happy to walk you through it. We're starting to focus a lot on that at Turk Hospitality Ventures. So if you need help with anything like that, we're, we're happy to help you 
because we love doing it and we're learning just as fast as we can because it changes every day, but we, we're in it. So I think AI, a lot of people say it's going to make people feel, oh, there's, we've lost the hospitality touch, but I truly believe it can be a tool to make the guest experience better. It will give employees more time on the floor. They can and, you know, interact more with guests and make their life easier because they don't have to worry about all the paperwork they have that they got to get done that really can be done by AI or smart learning programs. So that's where I see that going. And I hope that a lot of people will start using it more because there's so many people who haven't yet. I would tell you, if you listen to anything on this podcast today, go spend the 20 bucks, play with the chat GBT plus, go find some other tools that you can learn from because if you're not using them, you're going to get left behind. And I, I truly believe that. So I love using it every day. It's part of my daily work routine of just learning and seeing all the new tools that are coming out. But make sure, go check out the Hospitality Mentor GPT. So thank you for that question. We can do a couple more here before uh, we bore you guys too much here. David in Orlando. David, with the rise of new travel trends like sleep tourism, how should hospitality businesses adapt to cater to this niche market? Well, we talked about that. It was actually one of one of our newsletters. So sleep tourism is big now and you're starting to see it as part of the wellness trend that's popping up everywhere. And we had Patrick Fernandez on from the Carillon Wellness Resort and I got to experience some of the things that they're doing at their property that's like cutting edge stuff of helping you sleep better. And there's people from around the world that travel there just for that experience. And so it's like red lasers, you're getting electro shock therapy that feels like someone's giving you a massage. They have this like, it looks like a waterbed that gives you like a wave experience for meditation to help you sleep. So just that resort alone is doing big things. And they created a whole brand called Alchemy that's just helping other resorts create unique experiences for that. But those are like the big things. But hotels can do simple things like just having like a pillow menu. I don't know about you, but I'm very specific on the pillow I like to use. And I love the hotels. There's some of them out there that will say, what kind of pillow would you like? Do you want a foam one, a Tempur-Pedic one, a feather one? And you can choose. And hopefully they read the notes and put it in your room. Um, but there's a ton of things like that that you can do that are simple, easy for your guests. Right? Our main responsibility to hotels is to make sure the guests have a great night's sleep. If you know you're in a busy hotel, you're working in a city hotel, and you know it's going to be loud like in New York City, you can have earplugs or white noise machines or noise-canceling headphones that people can use just to kind of help them get to sleep. There's a countless ways that you can do this, and I think sleep tourism is big. I like knowing that I can go somewhere that's focused on that. So, yeah, I think you, you'll find a lot more of those popping up. So, David, that was a, a great question. And we've got one time for one more. So we'll do Chris. Chris in Seattle. Wow, that's awesome. Chris in Seattle, Washington. What are you seeing on the growing trend of culinary tourism and how hospitality businesses capitalize on this? Well, similar to sleep tourism, you've got culinary tourism. And the simple way to break this down is people are traveling for unique restaurants experiences or unique food experiences. And you've seen this since the beginning of uh, travel with the Michelin guide, right? Where they created this guide to say, these are the places that are worth traveling to, to go check out so they can sell more tires. That's why the Michelin guide is the Michelin tires, right? So they could get you driving out and using up those tires so you could go experience some new places. But now you see it, you have Forbes putting out their top restaurants. Uh, Michelin is now doing not only restaurants, but announced hotels too. 
And even your no local newspapers and apps are telling you the cool places that are trending for you to go travel and try. But I think this will continue to get bigger and bigger. I really think not only culinary tourism, but agro-tourism, where you're going to farms and seeing things grown and getting a cooking experience there. It's happening, and I think will continue to grow because people want to feel connected and get new experiences and not just go to the same old, same old. Nothing against chain restaurants. I go to them every once in a while, too. I love going to some of these smaller, unique, quaint places. doesn't have to be ultra expensive. There's a lot of cool cafes and mom and pop shops that are doing some of the best food and some of the best food is on street food in some of these big cities, right? There's people traveling to Thailand just to check out some of the street carts that are known from around the world. So culinary tourism is big. And if you have your hotel or restaurant, you should have local items, whether it's in your coffee shop, on your menus, you should really be highlighting those things, especially to travelers that are willing to pay more for it, right? Because I know sometimes those things cost more to put on the menu, but you know, the right guests, they want to have that quick experience of what the city really feels like. And they can get to that with a meal or a snack or a, a local product. So focus on those things. And I think that it will continue to grow. And that's how businesses can really capitalize on, on doing it. So those are the questions for this week's solo show. I appreciate all of you sending those in. And if you want to be a part of the next one, all you have to do is send us in a question on our website at thehospitalitymentor.com. And if you like today's episode, I would really appreciate you leaving a review or, and a rating. And please subscribe. We would love to see you there. And if you want to do more live uh, shows like this where you get to answer questions, you can join us at our other podcast, Good Morning Hospitality Live, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific. Uh, where my co-host and I, Sarah Dandashi, answer all of the trending topics uh, that are going on in hospitality. So I appreciate you joining me today. It's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. And if you have anything that you need, please let us know. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.